And we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. And as always is the case in these times, had to have a big bounce in the market because markets don't go down. Those are mistakes. And uh, today, interest rate increases and higher inflation isn't bad news. It's amazing what, a, amazing what a day can do, isn't it, Chase? Indeed. Okay, walk us through the breakdown. I got to admit to you, this is going to be a tough one for me to get through because... The good, the good news is, folks, he blew off some steam in the last 10, 15 minutes before we started recording. So Yeah, it's a true story. Um, yeah, S&P up just under 1%. The, the Q is up just over 1%. Small caps up about 2.3. The Mag 7 up 1.5. Uh, regional banks were up one point, uh, about 1.9. That's the funniest one of me. Um, and then rates gave back about half of yesterday. So the two years down eight basis points. Uh, the 10 down five. The 30 down about two. So the 30 didn't, didn't go as far as everything else. Uh, oil is down about 1.5 today. And that was like that was all the all the highlights I had. Apple was the only uh, Mag Seven name down on the day. If you want to cut those up and look at them individually, I I think the biggest story of the day by far is um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to bracket this because I don't I don't think he's well I mean he he's and I and I. Look, I'm sure there's some good ones out there. I just don't know them. Well, that's not true. Steve Mirren, he's an economist. I think he's smart, good dude. I just loathe the profession. I think it's the most worthless profession on the face of the earth. Uh, economists, I just think they're a joke. And listening to Goolsby talk, just it cracked me up because once again, it's something that you and I were talking about a year ago. Right? Like, here we go. And in my opinion, listening to Goolsby talk, and you can feel free to throw your opinion in there, even it contradicts mine, but listening to Goolsby talk, I felt like that was the first salvo, the first fire across the bow of we're going to up our inflation target. And then I listen to an idiot like Barr come out and say, the path to 2% inflation is going to be bumpy. Yeah, Barr, because if you get to 2% inflation, the entire bloody economy is going to be on fire. You ain't hitting 2% inflation without a massive recession. And that's what I, I, I don't think there's any way around that unless they're doctoring the inflation numbers. And when I say doctoring, I'm not talking conspiracy. I, I, I just, that, I think that is pure idiocy. The idea that you can expand them to, you can do all this. Only an economist would think you'd be able to get that toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, you ain't gonna see two percent inflation unless something really bad happens. Period. End of story. Take that BS story and fly it somewhere else. So I've been thinking, and I want to read some comment, his comments, and and then something from Powell as well. But I I've been of the mind that you could absolutely get to two um, without a recession. I thought you would have a recession, but not necessarily because of that. But watching watching the current dynamics with with asset prices that are turning around and juicing the economy, which can turn around and juice asset prices and becomes a kind of a runaway train. Now, now it feels like, no, like you're going to have to break some stuff to, to get there. So it feels like a barbell to me, like meaning pun intended. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, but it feels like a barbell. I feel like 
you're either going to go way up or it's going to break. Yeah. I, just I don't think there's anything in between. I've been I've been trading for 16 years now, and I I don't remember a time where I thought both tails were just massive. Like yeah, we we, we talked about this before. Like on we're talking about jobs. Like I can paint a, a really good or bad picture. Both I feel the same on on I I can create a a scenario for a crash that makes a lot of sense and and can feel almost imminent. But I I can create the same thing for uh, a wild blow off to the to the upside. I, I really that also I, makes tons of sense. Yeah, I think that you're I think that you're right on the edge, and you may already be at a point where I don't think any of that matters. And and the reason why is is amazing as it is. Um, I think a I think over the next two years, an entire generation of investors are going to learn a very very tough lesson. And I think that this is just pure animal spirits. And I think until the Fed squashes it, I think this thing's getting out of control. Yeah. And, and people, you, the, the, you listen to the average man, on the, no one, no one is paying attention to the valuation of the fundamental picture or the stuff that we're looking at. FOMO is at 2021 levels, if not higher right now. Yeah. And you're seeing that in some of the positioning data for sure. Oh my God. The positioning um, data is getting insane. It already is insane, but I mean. Yeah. So I want to read through. I'll hit I'll hit Goolsby later. That one that one gets both of our blood pressure up. Usually it's just one of us, but this one's both. Uh, but I want to read from something from Powell. So Politico, Politico had a little article that had a little some inside information from a closed door meeting between Powell and the um, House Financial Services Committee. And there's a quote in there that says, "Speaking after Tuesday's hotter than expected CPI report, Powell said recent inflation data that he, he had he had the latest inflation data in hand." was, quote, consistent with what they had been anticipating. That's just literally not true. Like, if they're going to – they were hammering away at three-month, three six-month, nine-month annualized. Like, everything's looking good here as long as it keeps going down. And then we get an ugly report that shows a lot of reacceleration and to include in a lot of the measures they have foot-stomped for the last year. All of it shows reacceleration, and then he says, like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much what we expected. Like, that, that's just not true. He's so full of it. Right. Uh, let, me go, let me go to Goolsby because Goolsby God, worse. I'm trying hard not to swear right now. <laughs> so let me go to Goolsby because Goolsby's worse. This one really made that me mad. That lying piece. <laughs> yeah. God, what a lying sack. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I'll start with the not as bad. You know what? Thing. At least he's con- – because that, that brain dead ba- – God, I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> I, sh- I should got to change change the podcast. Story. That, that lying that li- he 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 that guy has been wrong like and not wrong. He's been cash carry wrong at every turn. Just I mean, you couldn't find a more w- worthless piece of excrement than that piece of trash. All right, so Goolsby said rate cuts should be tied to confidence and being on a path toward the target. Blah blah blah. More data like we have have seen in the last. Six months would indicate that path, but that's probably too stringent. Here comes here comes the money. Oh my god! No, no, no. no. This is it gets better slash worse. Quote: Even if inflation comes in a bit higher for a few months, it would still be consistent with our path back to target. Right, because inflation's transitory. We just played this game two years ago. Right. Are these people are? I do they. This is what gets me so confused, man. I, you you sit there and you go, I, do they really? But I I don't know. I don't even know how to handicap this anymore. So what that what that even if inflation stays hotter than we expect it to, yeah, we're just convinced it's going away. And I'm like, 
God, that sounds like transitory. So what they said was, hey, as long as this keeps coming down, we'll cut. And and what Goolsby said today was, you know what? Who cares if it keeps coming down? Like we're just going to cut. Like so there. Now he he's the most dovish, like left leaning person on the FOMC. So he can just say whatever he wants to say, and it doesn't mean it reflects anything, right? And it and it kind of it's kind of clear that Powell maybe wanted to cut already, but he can't get the other people on board. Like trying to flip Mester and some of those people is not not going to be easy to do. That's the that's the whole that's the hilarious thing about this whole deal. Well, the economy is so strong, we're going to have to cut into it because if we don't, everything will implode. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You can't make this stuff up. It's the economy's so strong. If we don't cut, everything will implode. So just because he's what the point I'm trying to make, just because he said that doesn't mean this is what they're going to do. But what what we all have to be watching for go, going forward is for other people to kind of adopt the Goolsby position to to move the goalposts from hey, as long as inflation comes down, we can do this. If they pivot to ignoring inflation and just just doing it anyways, like that is that is the scenario where you you get the blow off top where where you just completely go unhinged on on valuations yeah 1995 to, to 2000 stuff no 99 right you double nasdaq up 103 percent a year that 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 could easily happen this year and and not not only that you could make that look you can make it look like child's play this year yeah i i, I it could easily happen right. and you you cut into this i mean you look at all the nonsense that's going on right now the pure idiocy, stocks quadrupling in weeks on nothing, 8Xing in months on nothing. I mean, not nothing, but you know what I'm saying. Um, you throw a rate cut on there, you will see panic buying. I mean, if you have f- full stop. Yeah. Um, so James Aitken, who, he kind of made the point like, hey. And, and in that scenario, you get you, what do you think CPI is going to look like if the NASDAQ pops another 50 to 100% a year? Yeah. It's going to go through the friggin' roof. Yeah. Housing prices will explode higher. That that part for sure. Um now I will say, unless and this is like an important caveat to all of this, unless the Fed cuts into the strength and everything like wants to go nuts, except like if the 30 year bond goes, you know what, this is dangerous and this is going like I'm gonna reprice to to seven percent because like there there is a world where the 30 year becomes like the sheriff. So like that is worth keeping in the back of our mind because that could do the tightening for them, even though they don't want to do it now. Then they'll start buying the 30 year. That's very possible. Um, n- no doubt. Um, but I was going to say, James Avon kind of made the point like, look, they're not, they're not cutting because growth or financial conditions. They don't care about any of that. They're like, one of the main reasons they're cutting is if you go back to the middle of 2023, they had at the end of 2023 inflation being at four and an end at three, they were literally 1% wrong. In a six-month period, and I think that that's by far the biggest miss they've ever had in their own inflation projection. I think that freaked them out, and that made them feel like they were really overtight. I think that is a uh, a good argument for them to cut or to be on that path. But what, like, if if I was on the FMC, I would say, "Cool, that's great, guys." But why do you now have have all this faith in our projection now that that we're right? So, like, maybe we missed by one percent to the upside last time, but if we turn around and miss one percent to the to the downside this time, and it runs away from us, then you we're no kidding going to get that second mountain of inflation. We're gonna, and then we have to go chase it. And we then we definitely have to break things. How about how about we just get to the point that these people have no idea what they're doing? Well, I mean that's 
that's been they've been that's been clear to me for quite some time. And 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 and, and if for you guys that have been listening to the show for a long time, or even even if you just started with the dots, it, honestly, like I feel like that's one of the biggest things that that or one of the biggest benefits that we can lend to people and investors is is not we don't know everything. That's not the point here. Far from far from it. Okay, I think the biggest thing, honestly, that this country needs to realize. I honestly believe this to get this country back on track, some semblance of normal. I don't know if you can do it with the FOMC structure the way it is. And, and not because I think they're evil or anything like that. I, they're feckless. They, they, it is they, these, it, it, it's not the blind driving the bus. It's the drunk blind. It, it, it's right. It's not. And I've got a client that's blind. I, I'm not making a pejorative comment about that, but it's not, it's not that I don't think, that they know what's – I know they don't have a clue what's going on. And if they get something right, it's it's dartboard luck. It pure they, – they're never right. And and more often than not, it's the inverse. The fact that they have the, – the, you, know, you know how little intellectual integrity you have to have to stand up there with a sta- straight face and go, well, if inflation pops a little bit, we're, we're not worried about it because we're, it's going to keep going down. And 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 right after like you just said yeah. that two years ago exactly right right after they've had to and a lot of them said look look the worst mistake we can make is to go go easing too soon like that's that's been the whole like Arthur Burns argument is like you can't do that and now they're like they're staring that right in the face and kind of just like using some like cockiness to be like yeah like we're just gonna do it anyway you, you know how let, let's even back this out a little bit because it's really funny. And I, and I stumbled over this. I heard myself saying it the other day, and I kind of chuckled to myself. You have an FOMC that doesn't believe asset price inflation feeds into real inflation. So they don't believe that the price of assets going up is inflationary. You think about that. Not enough, at least. <laughs> And, and and that goes to that's what inflation is. And that goes to the point of, and and this is what Nick Timoreos like asked in the last press conference. Like, hey, you guys kept pounding the table that the 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 bond market's tightening for you. Well, now it's loosening, and you you know like you don't. No one seems to care that it's loosening for you now because they don't. Like they they, it, it makes it clear that most of the time they kind of make up their mind about a quarter at a time on what they're going to do, and then they just they warp all the data and the news around that to back the decision that they're right yeah now i think they do like change course about you know once a quarter and try to like re you know like put their thumb up in the air and and try to figure out which way to go but okay why explain to me this why is this the first fomc that does not recognize that conditions and markets are, are directly opposed to what they're trying to do in the past greenspan would have known it I think Bernanke probably would have known it. I, I don't. I won't speak to that. Volcker certainly understood it. Why you listen to former Fed presidents talk about needing to break animal spirits or needing to put things in? How is it that these guys just decided that doesn't apply anymore? I don't know because, it, and again, it's like a very one-sided thing because they, on on the flip side, when they started cutting rates, they made it clear like, hey, like. Us just talking about this is going to loose is going to tighten financial conditions, and that's going to start doing our job for us. Wrong. Well, I mean, they're right in the sense that the two year yield just starts taking off before they even cut, before they even hiked, and now it's doing the opposite. So, like, it's not it's not wrong. It's just that you know rates just aren't as sharp of a tool as they as they once were. But they're but, not. But, but the, the point I'm the point I'm trying to make is on, on the way up, they 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 clearly use that like, hey, financial conditions will go. 
we'll tighten and that'll help us. And they don't seem to recognize or, or, or at least or at least pay any homage to the fact that on the on the flip side, it does the same thing. The entire run out of 0809, they justified quantitative easing and zero percent rates because targeting inflation in asset prices would generate real growth in the real economy. Now they don't believe that. Well, you could argue it didn't, though. Well, at least at least on the inflation side, for reasons well, that both. those stupid idiots didn't understand until 2016, 2017, when the minutes started coming out and guys like you and I were screaming at them the whole time going, hey, guys, when when you're targeting asset price inflation, there's no need to invest in real terms. What you're incentivizing smart fund managers to do is front run you. It's not going to incentivize real investment. I think. I think more important than the finance side on this, though, is is just regular people, like households. So you go back to '09, household balance sheets were in tatters. So, like, sure, you could you could help out someone's four hundred one k, and now instead of being in a fifty percent drawdown, they're in a twenty percent drawdown, and they probably just got their house taken away from them, or it's underwater by thirty forty percent. Well, now <laughs> everyone's house is worth forty percent more than it was five years ago, at least. Their household, their their balance sheet is wonderful. Like their four hundred one k is booming. So w- these little moves you make around the edges with with asset prices, like in a way that they didn't impact the economy in '09, they do now. Like the the amplification effect of that feedback loop between the real economy and finan- financial asset prices is just so much more violent now. And that I that I am very much sure they do not understand and respect and but uh, to be to be fair i don't think most of wall street does i don't think i did six months ago recognize like you know as good as household balance sheets are especially on the aggregate and and at the high end like if you pump asset prices these people are bulletproof and they're gonna act like it yeah yeah and the other thing is and this is another thing i was thinking about where And and I think that this is kind of a roadmap to how out of control it can get to our our break to the upside. Remember, it's it's really clear that you've trained an entire market, even professional investors, to not look at cash flows and fundamental values. Hang with me here, okay? And that works as long as asset prices keep going up in a secular fashion. But the higher asset prices go up in a secular fashion, the more you'll abandon fundamental research, right? This is like the, this is like, and this is not anything unique to this cycle. This is literally like the playbook for every bubble, right? But what, one of the things that keeps bubbles going is appreciating asset prices, right? Because it allows you to keep rolling, right? You keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. Well, when you're you're in and that's why i think this thing can go so far is cuz you've already created you've already had the behavioral shift of people not pricing assets based on cash flows we're already there right so the next jump right everybody goes you know cuz it's that basic logic well that stocks we overvalued there's no cash flows and they're like well i just made 200% And it's not like that's just Bobby Basement. That's Wall Street too. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Well, like I was saying, because we know it as professional managers, when everything's going up, even if you think it's a sham, worst thing you can do is sit there and not not participate. You're going to lose clients. You're going to bleed, right? And so you're just creating this feedback loop where 
You've got an environment where you keep pumping liquidity. And that's one of the reasons I think, and I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this and reading about this and looking at different things over the last couple of days. And that's really why I think that we have discovered first and foremost that liquidity trumps rates because liquidity allows the asset appreciation game to keep going. It You, you raise the bar a little bit just because the rates are up. But when you have an economy that doesn't care about cash flows, and that's not how we're pricing assets. It just means avoid small caps. Yeah, really. Avoid small caps. And like yeah. utilities and stuff. Yeah. Well, what you were we were talking about before, it, you need to engage your imagination. Right. And, right? The, and the only way to go to the, the recent David Einhorn uh, interview and, and kind of flack surrounding that, his point is like, and he's done well, like is the, the only way to not participate in that and do well if you're going to go the value route uh, in any sort of way, you you have to do it in one that is just making it absolutely rain with with buybacks and, and dividends. Yep. And so and the 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 hard part is so many of the the good value plays out there aren't like they're. I just saw Twain's mustache was very angry. Clearly, I can't remember what company it was. Oh, is is one is uh, one one of the coal companies? They're just sitting on like a shocking amount of cash and they're doing nothing with it. And you're a coal company. It's not like you got a bunch of capex coming your way, right? So they're they're not giving it back not to like shareholders. You're saving up for a big R and D spend next. Yeah, so it's year. just like it's just hanging out in their balance sheet, and it's like that's so idiotic. And the, and the only way their stock's going to go up or anyone's going to get a return is if they just turn around and buy the shares back. So if you if you find yourself out there doing value stuff and you're in value that's not buying back or you know less good but still kind of helpful, giving big dividends like then you're just going to lose. I, the one thing I would say back to Twain, though, Twain's m- mustache <laughs> uh, is... Love me some Mark Twain. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, the The only thing I would say to him is, you know, maybe the reason it sticks out is because you actually have a disciplined board of directors and their attitude is, hey, why are we going to buy the stock back right now when we think that it's very possible we could buy a slug of it back at... 30, 40, because, because, because coal and energy stocks can still go down. There's, that's the one sector that can still go down. You, you can still lose money in those. Yeah. I mean, all, I think, I think all things cheap, like it, it, it's just like everything else where it's just stuck in a reinforcing loop right now. Yeah. And the, but it, with that said, our, 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 our buddy that runs Zig, I mean, he's done a wonderful job. Like his, his filters have, have kind of grabbed onto the ones with that big shareholder yield. Um, and and steel and coal and they're just like wildly cheap and like returning capital and if if you catch both you're fine it's just wildly cheap and not returning capital you're gonna lose like all that all that money will find itself in trickling up to the things that you know go up one percent a week yeah it just reminds me of that you know a rolling loan gathers no loss i mean that's just where we're at in the cycle of this is that it'll keep going up until things keep going until they until they don't Right. And as long as people are keeping making money and now the Fed's going to cut into it, which I, I, I can't see us getting out of this year without cutting. I just can't see it. I, I mean, they've they've really staked, staked a lot on doing some. And and, and if they don't, that's what, like I mean, there's a part of me that, that hopes they don't, because a lot of these a lot of <laughs> this is my inner FJW showing because have- a lot of the, the private equity people really deserve to take a bath. Here, oh, my but- God. They're, cro- they're there's cro- they're crooks. Not the whole. In- I'm not saying no, but there's there's a, that are horrible. There, there is a lot of fraud and a lot of out and out crime hiding in that. And, and that and just uh, 
like r- bad stuff for society where they're yeah. buying up doctor's offices and then ruining them, ruining them to make an extra few bucks, stuff like that. Like, yeah, they're just bad. I don't need you to own my doctor's office, man. No, um, ridiculous. How do you, how do you know a good, how do you know a sign when there's, you're washing too much liquidity when doctor's offices are roll-ups? Yeah, which has happened at at scale. So same same with uh, like retirement homes, stuff like that, and then they same thing. They they often hey, ruin them. I, I, hey, same things happen in in our industry. Yeah, have you, you seen the multiples they're paying on on firms? We talked about it a little bit before. They're they're willing to overpay. Oh, I got an offer three four months ago that blew my doors off. Blew my doors off. Well, if we get this blow off, you might be able to might be able to cash one of those in. Yeah, well, I'm not selling. So, so if you're if you're a client, you're stuck with me, like it or not. No, I, yeah, I just we'll it, start big bull work after that. Yeah, well, financially speaking, it's probably. I mean, these the, a lot of these places are playing twelve and a half times EBITDA for a money manager, which is just nuts. When I started in the industry, if you wanted to get your book bought, you were getting two and a half to three x trailing twelve month production. Let me just put it this way. And that's interesting because there's a lot of private businesses that that aren't getting in any like good multiples. Well, yeah, but those private businesses aren't plugged into the magic money machine. Ours there you is, go. There you go. Right. So, I mean, you, how many how many private businesses do you know are guaranteed to grow at fifteen percent a year with this Fed at them? Right. I mean, it, it's just. I mean, that's kind of yeah. like your birthright with the way these idiots are running things. It's true. Um, what else do we got? I we I. I I don't, I, you know, it's crazy to, and we're going to keep doing it. Obviously we're not going to change the way we do things, but it'll be really interesting to see. Cause I do still think, you know, we kind of keep flirting with these levels. We still haven't broken out in a convincing way, although it does very much look like a breakout. I'm not saying it's not, um, but we're just not getting that escape velocity. So I think there's a little bit interesting, but it does feel to me like this is almost like the final barrier. Right. Like we've been saying for a while now and it just it's kind of toying with it. And then if we break out from here, really, I just I think you're a runaway freight train at that point. I just don't see anything stopping it. I think you could easily argue that's that has its first inning, but that has begun. Yeah, I think. Um, Yeah, I think I think I I, well, let's put it this way. I think all the I think the preponderance of evidence is pointing that direction. And if you think about it, the indexes call the cues in this one for about 15 months have gone up an average about 1% a week. Like, so you're, you're talking, yeah, it's some serious stuff and to include this year, which feels like it's slowed down from last year in some ways. So, um, yeah, tomorrow we will have retail sales. I heard, I heard something the other day and I don't mean to interrupt there you. you I heard something the other day that, um, it was either the amplitude or a combination of the amplitude Weeks green over the like we had set a record fourteen out of fifteen weeks up on S and P never happened until this last week never happened before. I didn't even realize that. I thought it, I thought it had just been a long time. I, Either way, it's that's crazy, especially in the backdrop because this ain't ninety nine or ninety eight. Ninety eight, ninety nine. You were growing four and a half percent with a balanced budget. Well, the balanced budget is a headwind. So <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. want to talk about a real strong economy? A real strong economy was 98.99. That's old school strong, right? Like that was legitimate. This is just a wash in printed money. And 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 by like like I said, the, it's not. I'm not saying that that a wash in printed money has not had like tangible positive impacts on people's balance sheets. It has, but, but you get what I'm saying, like. 
I think the economy is doing better than you do, but we've we've hashed that out in like five different ways. So we don't have to do it again. Yeah, I yeah, you do think it's doing better than I do, and I don't. I yeah, I just hey, we we would be useless together if we agreed on everything. So well, no, it's doing good for me. It's doing good. It's doing good if you got money. It's not if you don't. And it's doing good if you're in the right business. And and if you're adjacent to the good folks in DC that are handing things out, yeah. If you're a person that's worried about paying for food and uh, college and housing for your family on a middle income, you're not. This is not a good economy. It's fair. It's just not. And 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 any economy where the middle class is not doing good, I'm not going to call that a good economy. I just middle class is the core of growth. This is just. I'm not going to sit here and and call something a good economy that's all hyped up on heroin and printed money. I I just. Are the metrics good? Do I understand what you're saying? Yes. Do I argue with what you're saying? No. I, I, I understand, and I think there's a lot of validity into what you're saying. The numbers, yes, they're good. I just I think that the reasons they're good are there's far more damage to that than any benefit of the upside. That that's that's my definition. I would like you cannot sit here and say that it's a bad market to go find a job. You cannot say that the trajectory of wages are bad for people. They're not. You cannot say that 401k balances going up are bad for people. They're not, right? So I agree with that. I just think that you're ushering in a lot of things that are going to be bad to the point where it swamps all that out. Yeah, I understand. That's that's where I'm coming from. Um anyway, we're we're so we got what what data is coming up this week? Retail sales, retail, tomorrow retail sales, home builder sentiment, um jobless claims and then Empire and Philly manufacturing indexes, which It'll all be interesting tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Uh, home building sentiment might actually chill out a little bit here. Is we're at like a two month high for for uh, mortgage rates. I, I'm very that should push those to all new highs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I am. Um, yeah, this is. You know, I, I keep going back to this though. Um, I'm very very glad that we're launching this new portfolio. It, it's the only. I keep coming back to it, just sitting there going, how how do we make sure that we benefit from, you know, this runaway that looks like it's happening while still having a very conservative portfolio? It's the only way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine having to do this without it, honestly. And just for you guys to know, I'm not trying to plug what we're doing here, but if you are interested, we run, Chase and I run our non-constrained value portfolio. We're going to be investing in the exact same things, but we're just going to be using options to hedge the tails on either side of it. And we've done it. In a because we're a retail shop, right? We're most you know all of our clients are, are retail people, and so we've tried to do it without options. We've just gone back and looked at it, and if we would have expressed the exact same notional size and trades, meaning apples to apples comparison, using options as opposed to ETFs like we have, I you know I don't even I quit looking after I looked at COVID, just because it would have added like 15 to 20% to our performance that year. And that just made me sick to my stomach. And I was like, okay, yeah, we got to do this. Yeah. And how much of the portfolio we would have to allocate to hedging is just, it's just wildly different. You have to, you have to eat into so much of the portfolio just, just to protect yourself. And I'm not, look, and I'm not saying you can't do okay with somebody else or under your own strategy. I'm just saying for us, when we're looking at all this, because inflation's a real threat, right? You got those people who are like, well, you know what? I'm just going to sit on the sidelines until this abates. Well, okay, but in an inflationary environment, that's locking in a loss, right? You're locking in a loss. So, you know, what do you need in this environment? You need a portfolio that's got 
the hedges tailed, or excuse me, that too. The tails hedged, right? You just with minimal risk, you know, where if everything falls apart, you know, maybe you're down five or six percent. But if you keep ripping to the upside and the NASDAQ doubles, you can be up 80 to 100 percent with it. It's, it's, it's the only way. It, yeah, it is. There's no other way. And, and, and the reason we're doing it is because you're getting to a point where we can't put together a portfolio of responsible stocks and keep pace with the market. It's not possible. You have to take on a shocking amount of risk to try and keep up really irresponsible amounts. Yeah, and you got to buy stuff that you know is a joke. Yep. There's just no way. There's no other way. So, yeah, again, not plugging it, not trying to turn this into a deal, but that's the way we're addressing. And if you want to know how we're doing that, you feel free to contact us. Until then, hopefully, regardless, you keep taking this journey with us. We will be back again tomorrow. I'm hoping I will be a little bit more. You know, I heard somebody go, well, you're just upset because you're on the wrong side of it. And I'm like, "Mm, I'll stand behind our performance. Performance has been fine over the last. Last year was tough. Up until that, we'd been kicking tail. Overall, we're right in there. It's not that. It's just looking at it's 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 what you and I have talked about for so long, and it's a th- a thing that you see humans do over and over and over again, and the outcome is always the same, and it's just maddening to see idiots do it. Which is, I will push off the pain of today at any cost, and the problem is, is that that bill comes due, and when it comes due, it's nasty. Because there is no, you, you must pay the freaking piper. It is the death in taxes and paying the piper. The it's only guarantees. And I, the, the, the feckless, gutless nature of these people that just keep pushing this problem further and further out. And it's metastasizing and it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And like you and I spoke about a year ago, maybe there's a way out. I'm not saying the fate is sealed. What I am saying is the route the Fed has taken has opened the door to far worse outcomes than just a recession. And they have opened that door. They already have done that. They're in the process of kicking the door in and allowing financial stability risks to really metastasize. Yep. That's what worries me is if you allow for a really nasty bubble to the upside, like you that we, we see we we know how that ends because we've seen it a few times. Tip and and it's not like when that thing pops, it it only hurts the people directly involved. No, it, because the good, no, because when it, you get to that point, it drags everything with it, right. right? Whereas if you take a garden variety recession, the bad stuff gets blown up. Everybody takes a little bit of a haircut. The good stuff rises to the surface, and then you resume on and you keep growing. Right. Our, our last really few recessions were more more tied to financial stability risk than they were a, a, a normal business cycle type of. A situation so hey like i i do all this business cycle analysis and got it wrong last year probably all you need to do is the financial stability analysis well the other thing is that there's a there there are some differences but there's also some real similarities when you look back to 99 when the when the nasdaq doubled right meaning meaning you were not in a situation economically where the fed should have cut right that we, we but because of ltcm blowing up right think of the banks Right, right. Go, Fed didn't cut last year. No, they didn't cut, but they threw in three hundred fifty billion. The the, the 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 similarities of the setup, I, I think, are glaring. Yeah, meaning LTCM made them cut into a strong economy that they wouldn't have otherwise cut into, that was and then the... boom, ninety nine, blow blow off top. The, you've got the same setup happening right now, and you don't have the threat of LTCM, but you got the threat of regional banks. Right, which at the end of the day, and just 
same difference yep. to the economy. Yep. It's a, very similar, actually, especially when you look at what LTCM was investing in, right? And one of the things that blew up LTCM were bond valuations going down because rates, you had currency issues in, in, in Asia, rates went up and boom, their whole book blew up. Right. Doesn't that sound eerily familiar? It, yeah. And this whole conversation just makes me want more P-Fix and this is just making it worse. Well, all right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's music to my ears, buddy. All right, guys. Well, that's enough of my ranting for today. Thank God we got the brain trust here to settle me down a little bit. Now you guys can see that's what, one of the reasons why I hired him. He, we, we, he's very smart, but he's also like a therapy goat. Goat. Well, you know, they put those, they put, you put goats in with racehorses and stuff like that. I'm, I, I, like I'm I said, I said, you're like a therapy goat. I didn't call you a goat. I mean, you're clearly a tree. <laughs> you know, you're a therapy tree. That's all. Yeah, there we go. Fair enough. Anyway, all right, guys. Well, thanks for doing it. We will be back as always tomorrow. Hopefully, you'll continue doing this. I will approach this in a little less passionate way. It is Valentine's Day, though. All right, so emotions are running hot. Anyway, have a great evening. And as always, give us a subscribe. Helps us get more guests on the show. And uh, until tomorrow, we'll see you then. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.